is Karen Smith with American White History Month, South African edition. I have with me tonight two attorneys from South Africa, Ricky Erasmus and Carol von Mullendorf, who have very kindly agreed to discuss with us the race-based laws in South Africa. I am no expert on the subject, so the show is over to them. Hi, Ricky. Hello, Carol. Hello, Corin. Hi, Corin. Hi. Thank you for having us. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for volunteering to come on the show. Um, there is much talk about the 117 or more race-based laws in South Africa. And in my opinion, these, this is legislated destruction of the white race in South Africa. Do you know how this actually started, Ricky? Corin, yes. I wish to uh, state that uh, we're not, I'm not an expert on the race-based laws, but I experience it on a daily basis. So yes, as, as uh, in a practical way, I experience it and everybody around me, my colleagues, my friends, my family experience it. And in that sense, yes, we are experts. Um, seeing how the white people in South Africa are marginalized and uh, pushed out of jobs on a daily basis. Karen, you asked me where it started. Well, I happened to get my hands on a document which a um, Facebook friend forwarded to me. It is um, headed African National Congress Circular, um, dated June 1993. It is addressed to the senior staff and marshals. Um, this is a success story, our struggle for liberation, our struggle, um, yeah, liberation. Then it has a heading, Affirmative Action Strategy, after April the 27th, 1994. The greatest fear of the white settler is to lose his job, his farm or house, and all the luxuries. This will enable the new democratic government to tax them to the utmost, while the comrades, comrades in MK and APLA continue with their part of the struggle. Surplus land will be redistributed among our people. All positions in the public services will be replaced by comrades. Now that is just the start and we have already seen it. Wherever you go in the public service, the majority of the employees are black people. Um, to the exclusion of whites, coloreds, and any other of the minorities in South Africa. Now, I really do not have any problem with employment of a black person or any other person for that matter. My only concern is a person should have the abilities to fulfill the, um, the, the uh, responsibility of the post. Yes. Um, so the, the, the position must be filled on merit and not cardiff filling like it is happening now. And I do not want to generalize because there are people in the government sector and in all other spheres in South Africa, black people, that are really um, um, qualified and or um, fulfilling the needs of the post that they are in. But they are in the minority. The majority of the posts that are filled, the people are not uh, qualified to perform the tasks. 
So what is uh, what is happening now is that you will have a person um, that is employed in a specific position, a senior senior position, with no, either no qualifications, no experience of the specific job, and then they will have um, um, consultants employed at enormous amounts to assist that person to do his or her job. So the expense of such a procedure is enormous. You can only think of it, and it's sometimes not only one consultant, it's more than one consultant. Can I just and ask a question quickly, Rick? Yes. So are the yes. consultants then white qualified people, or are they also black unqualified people? There are a few white consultants, but not many. So the consultants are also, look, I do not have the statistics, but I, I do have to, to speak on yes so now. Mm. That also uh, people that, that, uh, that um, were um, 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 headhunted from overseas companies. Yes. Uh, in, uh, they, they like to employ people from... Russia, Cuba. Um, Cuba, and all those countries, it's Cuba. We just had a situation where 100 Cubans um, were employed um, to assist with the repairs of the Samuel uh, um, army vehicles for our army. Um, now, you know, the cost, the, the, the budget for that is 200 million rand for a three-year period, and they will be here for as long as is needed, and if necessary, the, 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 the contract will be extended. Now, how can you justify employing 100 Cubans at a budget of 200 million when our people are starving in squatter camps or must be maintained by their family? It is, it is, it is a disgrace. And that's not only the army. You know, we have a lot of Cuban doctors in our state hospitals. And the problem is that the poorest of the poor make use of these state hospitals. So they're at the mercy of these Cuban doctors who most of them are not properly qualified. They cannot understand the patients and the patients cannot understand them properly. So can you think of the, the horror if a doctor, for instance, gives instructions to a nurse and the nurse doesn't understand the doctor, or he uh, gives a script to a patient and the chemist um, does not know what the doctor prescribed or is not sure. Wow. And that patient um, then gets the wrong treatment or the wrong medication. You know, so it's not just simply the appointment um, as a doctor. Um, but it's also the consequences thereof. If it was for, uh, properly qualified people, um, decent people who can speak the language, um, who can, um, you know, um, dedicate it, then it's a, it's a different story. But still, you have to look at your own people first before employing people from outside. Ricky, I understand that at least a million white people have left South Africa since 1994. It may be more. Um, one cannot get realistic figures, but as I understand it, it's around that amount. So are That's there good. still qualified white 
doctors in South Africa that are unemployed that could fill these positions being filled by the Cubans? Definitely. I mean, we have a lot of doctors. Our doctors are very um, sought after in, in England and in America and all over Europe. Uh, um, because of their dedication, their, you know, uh, before 1994 and shortly thereafter, our medical fraternities um, were of a very high standard. So our doctors' qualifications are very high and our people are very dedicated um, people, you know, in, in any sphere that we work in. Um, so, yeah, you will find that doctors will work on, on cruise liners, they will work anywhere else um, because the the circumstances in South Africa is just so that they cannot stay here. If I may come in here, <clears throat> one of the biggest problems we are having is that uh, to study for a doctor in South Africa, you have to be chosen, if I can put it that way, by a university. So they will actually look at you and decide if they're going to take you in or not. Now, we are currently sitting in the station where we've got pupils that has been the best pupil in a province and had, say, nine distinctions that cannot become a doctor because of the color of their skin. And that is one of the other problems that we've got. And that is a well-known fact in South Africa that your marks is not going to make you to get into medical school anymore. Uh, it is more based on the color of your skin. And the problem is that even the South African people that are studying for doctors the, 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 the black people don't have the same marks in the trick that our standard 10, that is our highest qualification, school qualification in South Africa. So you sit, land up with a situation even where there is no more opportunities for doctors to qualify. I, as I say, we don't always have the right statistics, but I, from an um, experience point, can tell you that I know a couple of people that could have qualified for doctors if I in the past that were just not um, accepted by the universities because of the fact that we have affirmative action even at the, at the university level. And then the other problem is if you are a white student and your parents can't pay for you, you will not get a bursary. That is just, that's just the fact. Oh, my goodness. And you know, Karen, the, 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 the irony is that bursaries come from taxes yes if you don't get it from a private institution yes. and the majority of the taxes are paid by white people now then you can understand that this 1993 document which says that the whites will be taxed to the utmost you know it's a fact that um, we are law-abiding people we pay our taxes we do not go about and, and become lawless and refuse to pay taxes. So all these, we are almost 5 million white people, of which about a million is um, in squatter camps now. Um, let's say 3 million of our whites are working and we pay taxes. And we have to support 50 million blacks. Now, that is simply an impossibility. So what happens? They do not curtail the, um, the, the uh, um, 
benefits? The population growth. The population growth. Yes. And they do not realize that it cannot go on as, as it is going on. They keep on paying uh, welfare grants to mothers with, with small children. And who is going to care about looking on themselves, maintaining themselves, finding a way of earning an income, making something to earn an income. If the government gives you an amount of money every month, um, I think it is 1,100 if I'm not mistaken. The new one is 1,600. No, the new one apparently is 1,600 rand per child. No, no the child no, the child's about 350. Oh, child child growth. Sorry, yeah. 350. So if you have like five children... Most people live on that, that amount of money and they don't care to get a job. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. it's just, um, it's just uh, a it's totally a um, situation that cannot be uh, cured without stringent measures. Absolutely, because when the, when the takers over, overtake the makers and the balance is, is the other way, then the income is not going to meet the outgoings and then there's going to be a problem. And I'm sure it's already reached that level because I see that uh, South Africa is about to reach junk status with uh, the credit raters of the world. And yes. that, is, that is a frightening thing. But what I wanted to ask you is, okay, so the black people then get a grant of 350 rand per child. Does that same thing apply to white people? Do they also get yes, a child grant? Yeah. They do. All the child grants are the same, yes. But then I also hear on, me, on many occasions I have clients that come to me and they tell me that when, I, when they can't find their husband or, or the party who's got to pay maintenance, um, then I say, well, go and apply for a child grant. Then they come and tell me, but they can't uh, come right, you know, because they, they shut the door. Or they just ignore them or they give them such a hard time that they give up because it's such a slip to apply for that and to get that grant that they just give up. So there's a, there's a, a concerted effort to get whites out of the... Um, um, of the uh, of the welfare system, as it were. That is, that is right, yes. So, and that's not only you know, it's in other in other spheres as well. Because if you if you like if you um, if you're poor and you need legal um, assistance, there's we've got a, a um, organisation, Legal Aid, which provides assistance to people with who's indigenous and um, indigent. Um, but the whites are also shown the door, you know, they don't get assistance there. And then you'll sit in court and there's many blacks there um, being assisted by these legal aid lawyers, but the whites are not assisted. So essentially those things are not legalized uh, discrimination, they're just in practice discriminated against. Yes, yeah. But then we sit with the um, affirmative action bills that we've got uh, on labor side. So you also don't get in I just say um, about 20 years ago when I started practicing law, uh, they used to give all these legal aid instructions to, to, the, to the local attorneys in the town. You didn't get a big fee. It was more like community service. But at least the people got decent representation. Yes. 
in court. Now, they have actually changed that now. They are only employing attorneys now that does their articles with the legal aid, and then they employ them. And I, I, if I, I, my offices are next to legal aid in Krugersdorf, which, which actually covers the area of the whole of the West Bank, which is quite, I would say there's about 10 to 15 courts in that area. And if there is five employers, employees, and that is one, it is a lot. So unfortunately, as we say from a, from a practical point of view, your, your, your poor people also don't get proper legal assistance because there is no more attorneys that's really <clears throat> gone through articles and a proper qualification to assist these people. Although these people get, get um, admitted as attorneys, the, the whole system has changed a lot from the days when we were admitted as attorneys and we still had to study five years and you still had to do Latin as a subject to that you can that you can study the Roman Dutch law in the original language. Nowadays, it's a four-year degree. The people don't do all these subjects. So, unfortunately, the quality of the candidates that come from the law schools are also not that good. And and, and I feel that it's not a thing just, you know, prejudicing whites. Um, it's also prejudicing the blacks because they don't have proper legal representation. And you get up, you get you land up with, with these lawyers that have to represent, say, 15 cases per day. And so all they do is they advise these people to plead guilty while a lot of these people are not guilty and and that is also something that has happened because of the discriminating acts in South Africa because if it wasn't for affirmative action we could still have been in the situation where proper decent lawyers could have been employed I'm not saying all of them are not good but really if you see if you're in court you can see um, one of the the, the the deputy president of the um, high court uh, Judge Mojapelo at a stage wrote, wrote an article to say that it, it is shocking to see the quality coming from university and appearing before him in court because he feels that the people would be better represented if they represent, represented themselves. And I blame this fully on, on affirmative action. You, you can't get away from that. Right. So explain to me then... The, the system of affirmative action and how it went from affirmative action to the black-based economic empowerment and how it has gotten worse over the last 20 years. Okay. <clears throat> you see, we've got a Bill of Rights and, and we've got the Constitution in South Africa that clearly states that uh, before the law in terms of section 9 and that says everyone is equal before the law and has the right to equal protection and benefits of the law and then it goes about to say um, the state may not unfairly discriminate directly or indirectly against anyone on more of, of the following grounds including race, gender, sex, pregnancy, marital status and it goes on so in on paper it looks very very good but then they go and they say, but sometimes there is uh, allowed to discriminate on discrimination on one or more of the following grounds listed in subsection three. They say um, is not necessarily un unfair unless it unless it is established that the discrimination is fair. So you sit in a situation where our Bill of Rights make provision for discrimination. So and in, then there, in, yes? in the Bill of Rights is affirmative action, which is on the face of it, discriminatory because it is laws 
to protect the majority from the minority. Am I correct? Exactly. Because it says that if you, if you buy your discrimination on race will be unfair unless if it is established that the discrimination is fair. Now, we had a case in South Africa of Renata Barnard, who was in the police, and she was very well qualified for the position of a um, colonel, if, I, I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. But in any event, she, she had to go up a ramp. And um, what happened is, every time that she applied for the job, they did the interviews, and she was the best qualified. But because of the affirmative action laws in South Africa, she didn't get the job. So at the end of the day, she took them to the Labour Court and it ended up in the Constitutional Court of South Africa. And the Constitutional Court ruled that it was not unfair to discriminate against her on a race because of the, the um, I just want to get the word <laughs> Uh, you know, if, 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 say, for instance, you've got 10 people in the job, five of them has to be, they have to be black. Yes. And two will have to be colored, and one will have to be, say, uh, Indian, and then only one person can be a white, and there was already enough whites on that specific level of the way that she, she actually requested, or the job that she actually applied for. So on quota, if as we call it, yes. she was ruled out. And the Constitutional Court decided that this was not unfair. And she and spent the, the, millions of rands on this court case. The irony of this case, Karen, is that um, she was the only suitable candidate for that specific post. They could not get any other person. So up to date, and for years now, that post has not been filled. Yes, now that was the so other... They don't care about the, 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 the society at large. They, they are adamant in, in um, insisting on, the on, on the employment of, of people in accordance, of, in accordance with the, with the, the demographics uh, um, race uh, demography. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. You know what it said is everybody says that we mustn't see color. I just want to come in here. Um, I've got a black son that I'm raising. He's been with me for the past seven, eight years. He, he's now 13 years old, so I want to make it quite clear that I'm not a racist as well. Um, I've got a son that I'm raising. Although we haven't adopted him, he is in our full-time care. And then I have a daughter that's seven years old of my own. Now, we put this little boy of ours, this son of ours, we put him in the normal African school in South Africa, that he can get the best quality, best education that there is. But my biggest concern is that my poor daughter that is going to the same school will one day not be employed because of the fact that she's white. And that is a concern and that is why I've got family members with, with small children who's moved away, who's, who's now living in abroad, in Australia and New Zealand and all over. And and, and I want to, to, to agree with Ricky, I don't have a problem at all with any um, fact of the skin of a uh, or the, the color of the skin of somebody, but unfortunately we say we are the rainbow nation, but we still focus on on color, color, and and that is the problem I've got. Both my children to have the same opportunities, and that's all I'm asking for. And I can also come in here and say that <clears throat> I've acted on behalf of sportsmen in South Africa, you know, black sportsmen. I've acted on one of the previous CEOs. 
members of the uh, South African Broadcast Corporation. So I've got a lot of black clients and, and I really, really don't have a problem. I've got black friends. It, to me, I, I want to stress it that I've got no problem whatsoever with the fact that somebody's from another race. But it goes to me the fact that we are discriminating against certain people and that unfortunately is the whites. So Yeah, and it's it's a, it's really a travesty of justice, Karen, that, that um whites are marginalized um just because they're white. Not because they are not properly qualified or because they do not have the skills. It's a, a it's a common fact that the whites are better skilled, and here I want to, to stress that there's some areas where I really um, have no problem in employing a black person. Um, I do believe they're very good, um, you know, handymen like builders and um, tilers and um, painters and those type of jobs, and they're also good artists. You know, they can be, be very um, artistic, but they do not, most of them do not have the ability to run a business, to oversee personnel. They cannot lead. They want to be told, do this, do that. Then in certain spheres, they're excellent. Now, talking about the skin color and the rainbow nation and what, I do believe that these discriminatory laws actually make racist of people. Because if you go to a place like, let me take for instance, you go to a, a government department and you require assistance, say for instance, with taking out your, at the Department of Home Affairs, and you get someone there that's not helpful or not skilled, and if you take that person on it and, and, and express your dismay with the service that you get, they will immediately accuse you of being a racist. The moment you talk to someone about the fact that you do not get proper service or that, that they're not friendly or whatever, then you are a racist. Now, that is totally unacceptable. And the problem is that um, it is um, this situation is just exacerbated by the laws in South Africa and the fact that from government level, from top level, um, it is approved and it's accepted that, that it um, is applied in the this way. And no one who does not offer a proper um, service to you in, in any government department will be taken to task. You know, some people will be, um, there will be serious charges against them, like for instance, criminal charges. Then they will be suspended, but they will be on, 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 paid, leave, uh, on paid leave for like a year or two. Oh, wow. There's some people who get millions while they suspended from the job, and no one is ever prepared to take the decision um, to, to fire them. So they just keep on paying their the, 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 the salary. Wow. You know, wow. if, if it's like that, what, what, why would anybody try to, to, to give a proper service or care about proper service or doing the job properly. If they are, oh, it doesn't matter whether I work or whether I don't work, I will get my salary and even if I'm suspended, I will still get um, a salary while I'm under suspension. Oh my goodness. Now that is, I mean, it cannot work like that. Oh yes. my goodness. So, speak okay, and if I can, I mean, yeah, now, in, hmm? yes, come in. 
Now, I just wanted to stay on, on, on the question you asked me about the laws. We've got the Affirmative Action Act, the Employment Equity Act yes. in South Africa. And, and, and what is very strange, or, or it's ironic, is that they say the purpose of this act is to promote equal opportunity and fair treatment in the employment through the eliminating of unfair discrimination. And then it says, and implementing affirmative action measures to redress the disadvantages in employment experience by a designated group to ensure the equitable representation in all occupational categories and levels in the workforce. Now, once again, we, we cannot take away what, what happened in the past in South Africa. And it is so that there is a lot of people maybe that, that was discriminated against. And, and, and we want to put that right, but you can't make a right by two wrongs. And that is where we are currently. Because now you get people that was in schools where they never attended schools in South Africa in the 70s, 80s, 90s. We know that the schools were burnt in the, in the squatter camps. These people didn't get proper education times of their own um, hatred, if I can put it to that way, towards the schools because they felt it was the white government schools. So you have these people that is really, like Ricky said, just not qualified to do the job. And, it, and I don't think it's got something to do with the race. I think it's got maybe to do with the background. But at the end of the day, whatever the reason are, they are not qualified to, for instance, run a business or to work with the public or whatever. And now you end up with these people being employed in positions that got a standard six in South Africa, which is a very low um, qualification. And, and they end up in, in director posts. So they have never even finished high school. And then they end up in, in situations where they earn millions of rands because of their political connections, because that is another thing we can go about. But yes, you must also remember that, that political connection has a lot of, of influence in the workplace. So, so you end up with these people that unfortunately cannot do the jobs. And I feel that everything of this is unfair. How can you say in an act this is for the purpose of not discriminating, but you go the next moment, you say, but in certain circumstances, it's fair to discriminate. And we ended up, like Ricky said, if you look at the population and, 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 and the, the um demographics thereof, you end up with these people that that really isn't qualified. So once again, if, if we, 20 years later, and we start employing people that has gone through the ranks and are now qualified, I don't think that would be a problem because then they would get the job on merits. As long as they get the job on merits, there's no problem. But how can you employ somebody that doesn't have the qualifications because of an act that says that's fair, can never be fair. Well, if we and from that also, um, you know, um, you can um, you cannot say after twenty years um, of freedom that there are still disadvantaged people. I mean, for twenty years they had the opportunity, and even before that, there were good schools. They had good education. I believe before nineteen ninety four, they had better education, better schools than what is the situation now. And you know, I have um, my sister is a is a teacher in a in a um, primary school, and she has a lot of black children, and um, she says that the parents prefer to to put their children in white schools or or schools where there's a majority of white teachers, because the discipline is better and the schooling is better. 
And you get those people, and I really do appreciate their attitude, but they do not stand up against the mob majority, you know, who doesn't care, who burn down schools, who take children out of the schools to march with them, to loot the cities, to make a statement. And that is why we, we're still in this situation 20 years later. It's just not acceptable. Something must be done. You know, where I came in, I was never really um, interested in the politics. And I, you know, you sit and you, you have a job, you have an um, income. And you're too busy surviving. And you live quite and care about the problem. Yes. But then, you know, what happened is what made me becoming really aggravated. And maybe it's a stupid thing, but, but I, I believe that that was a turning point for me and for many other people. I listened on the 22nd of January to a um, um, report, or not listen, I read a report of the Kalka in Kalka, which is the Klein Karu Kinsterfeers, which started as a art, a cultural, a South African, Afrikaans cultural fest. Yes. But now it's not an Afrikaans cultural feast anymore. It's now a free-for-all feast, you know, and you have any anyone and everybody there, even the Cubans and the Pakistanis and everybody's there. Yes. So they said, no, Steve Hofmeyer, one of our very um, uh, renowned artists, um, singers, and also an, uh, an activist, um, he's not welcome at the feast because he sings the stem, the stem our previous anthem, um, pre 1994, and he um, complains about the murders on on on, on farms, um, the farm murders. Yes. And I became so angry, and I thought to myself, you know, we have criminals streets taking over our streets. We have corrupt politicians looting the. The, the, the state coffers, um, they get away. They're still employed. They still get jobs, even though they don't have enough, um, a qualification. They forge qualifications to get a job. And when they're caught out, they fight and they disagree. Um, and then someone who come in and, and complain about the crime situation in South Africa and singing our previous anthem, which is more than a prayer, which, which is more a prayer than anything else, it's not creating um, um, racism or um, hatred or anything like that. Now he is is um, crucified for that. And then on that date, I decided up to here and no further, and I started a Facebook page, boycott the this feast, and everybody that um, do the same. That is marginalizing white South Africans and um, accusing us of being racist and regarding us as uh, scum because we, we do not accept the crime rates and because we do not accept the discrimination any longer. And... Um, I just said, well, I will, all, all discriminatory laws are 
banned out of South Africa. Everybody must be treated equally, no matter what. You know, we're not the only minority. We also have the colored people. Yes. And they are treated yes. in the same way. And so I will, the Chinese have been uh, legalized as black so that none of these laws apply to them. Exactly. And they, they are taking over the country. They are taking over the country. And let me tell you what, they have shops on every corner of every shopping center and street. And it's common knowledge that they have a lot of cash going around. They do not pay taxes. They sleep in their shops. They do not employ blacks. They only employ Chinese people. Because they don't have to. It's the justice. If, if you are a black, then you don't have to employ blacks because you are already black. So it, 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 that particular one is one of the things that I cannot wrap my head around because it doesn't make any sense. Well, it does make sense, Karen. It's a matter of um, rub my back and I rub yours, you know. Um, it's, 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 um, it's a known fact that, like, for instance, Cuba assisted the ANC in, um, in their struggle. So obvious, they are now, it's now payback time. Um, so, you know, anybody that, that, that gives handouts or give money or whatever to the um, regime, with the ANC, they will be assisted no matter what happens in South Africa and no matter at what speed um, the country is going down. If, if I can come in here, we've also got a thing that we call BE in South Africa, Black Economical Power, that also acts, that empowerment, that, that, that makes provision for certain businesses of certain sizes. And I don't want to go into that because it's very technical. I just want to go... <clears throat> over it briefly, but that makes provision that should you want a tender, for instance, from a government department, that you have to have a certain BE rating. Now, a lot of these come down to the fact that <clears throat> there should be 51% ownership or shareholding in a company before this company can actually do a job with a government department. Now, obviously, if you are a black-owned company, you would have a higher score and you would get the tenders. Yes. So the old businesses and, and a lot of other businesses, that's quite small. I've got a client that's quite small. It's one director, one shareholder. He cannot get any work at this stage on the road agencies or on the, on the safety of the roads and building contracts because of his BE status. So he is now forced to where he's got a company that he's built up over years that he has to take in a black partner. It's not a problem if we could find somebody that's qualified and who's got the money, but you can't. So actually, he had to give away for free 51% of his company to somebody that he can get BE status, if I can put it that way. Yes. And obviously, they come and they check on you to make sure that this is not just fronting, as they call it, that you've got somebody, but you are not part of it. So this person must actually share in everything, and, and that person must be your your your. CEO of the company, the person that, that's, that's, that's in charge of this company because they've got the most um, yes, shareholding. Yes. So, you know, that's another act that we've got is the Black Economic Empowerment. And, and also, if you look at that act, it, it goes to say 
that they will help businesses in South Africa, but only if you qualify, and it's only black companies that can actually get funding to start businesses. So it's very unfair towards the whites, because once again, like we've said, a lot, the majority of the tax comes from the white pockets, but the white people cannot apply for loans from the state to assist them to open a business, because that, in terms of the economic, Black Economic Empowerment Act, can only go to, to the black persons. And that is what is so unfair. Once again, if we all were treated equal, it would have been great. But unfortunately, this is not happening. And, and it's actually sad because sometimes we joke about it and we call our son, our black, our BE partner. You know, my husband will make a joke and say, well, at least my daughter might one day make it in business because at least her brother is, is black, you know. Yes. But it's sad. Although you joke about it, you know, people joke about things that's actually hurting. Because I don't want my son to get a job or to have an opportunity because of the fact that he's black. I want him to have the opportunity because of the fact that he is qualified to do it, because of the fact of who he is. I feel it's, it's discriminating about against this little boy to say that you can get the job one day because you're black. That's not fair. Even towards him, it's not fair. No, absolutely not. Because, because that, for me, is real racism against him. Yeah against blacks to 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 tell them that they're not good enough on their own merits they're only good because of the color of their skin that is so exactly. hurtful that's how i see it that to me is why i say sometimes we joke about it but it's actually sad because i want this son of mine to be one day become whatever he wants because of his ability that's why i put him in a Good school. Now, you must remember in South Africa, uh, uh, the government doesn't pay for schooling. Schooling is not free, especially in the so-called old white area schools. You have to pay school fees. Now, school fees can range between anything about between 1,000 to 2,000 and more in a, in a government school. Wow. Okay, in the black schools, that is much cheaper. That's like 10, 20 rand a month. But in the white schools... It is more expensive in the traditional black, uh, white areas. Yes. We don't have buses in South Africa. We don't have a way to travel. I mean, you have to pay for a taxi. There is no free transport in South Africa. So, yes, <clears throat> in the squatter camps, the, the people walk far to go and attend schools. And as I say, they are assisted there. But once again, if you buy peanuts, you're getting peanuts or monkeys. So the teachers there, like Ricky said, it's not always... As good, so I have put my son in a proper school so that he can have a proper qualification. But I have to be honest with you, I feel the way we are now, he will get the job one day, not because of his qualifications, but because of the skin color. And you know what is sad? Although he's African speaking, he still has his roots with, still sees his, his mother. He doesn't know his father, but he sees her from time to time. And he can still speak to Anna and everything. We didn't take him completely away out of where he comes from. But he's got a little bit of an attitude, which I want to kill him sometimes for, that he's already got that attitude, but I'm black, I'm going to get the job. Yes, yes. And that is unfair. And, and the more I tell him, Raymond, in, in the next 10 years, when you have to go and find a job, things might have changed. But in my heart, I know it will change, but not to the better. So essentially, so, even at that young age, it's been inculcated in them that, that yes. the color thing is already there, no matter the fact that he's raised in your family 
as a member yes. of your family, the society has already ingrained in the children that that is a fact of life. Your color is important. Yes, because certain of the subjects that I did at school now tells them this. I mean, this, they get the same uh, textbooks, but the textbooks is, is not about the Afrikaans history or about anything. It also goes about the blacks and the struggle and the way that things are now turned around. They learn from the Great One already in school about affirmative action. They learn about racism. They learn about the bad whites in the past. That is the history that these children are learning. So obviously, even in a in a in a majority white school where I would say ninety eight percent of the children or ninety seven percent is white, he still learns these things in school, and that is he, he knows that. I mean, he's a bright boy. Don't misunderstand me. So he picks this up, and it's sad. It is to me, it's sad because I want him, like I said, to have the job because of who he is. Not because what he is, if I can put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the problem is actually they create a, they create a certain type of personality where there's no um, reason for you to rise above your circumstances or to better yourself with education or with further studies. Because um, it doesn't matter, you will get the job, you will get the salary, and the salary is not even uh, the salary is 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 a very good salary for your qualifications. Yes. Um, there's, there's just no um, way yes. that you can understand how they think, you know, and how they think they can they can just carry on. And there will always be money yes. to, to carry on in this way where everything is either burned down or demolished or, or damaged or not cared for. You know, if there's not... Uh, whites who look after things and who see to it that the, the buildings are kept in, in a good condition or that the gardens are kept in a good condition, everything goes to tatters. Yes, yes, I, I saw this week we said that they burnt down Stellenbosch University. That's right. Yeah, which was an old traditional Afrikaans white university. Absolutely. The other thing we're sitting up uh, that everybody needs to know in South Africa, we were worried tonight if we could speak to you or not because we've got um, power breaks, um, load shedding in South Africa because of the fact that the people that were employed at ESCOM, especially on the top level, doesn't have the qualifications. So they never looked to have everything of the power substations and everything in order. So now we are going back to... A third world, although we are regarded as a third world, um, you would see South Africa always had power. So we are now sitting in the situation, got four or five hours a day, no power, because they have to load shed, they have to save on the power that the country doesn't run out of all the power. And and that is something that was that I blame completely on affirmative action. There's no other way that you can blame this because the engineers and everybody that was qualified were retrained and they were replaced by people that is just unfortunately not qualified. And that is a typical situation where we sit in South Africa now. My parents stay 10 kilometers from here. They are all people, 88 and 82, and tonight they don't have power between 6 and 10. And we know we are staying in a crime country where there's a lot of break-ins. And it was the other day, 
actually, if you read on the internet, you would see, because a lot of these things are hard, but you always get, get the information if you just go and Google a bit. But one of the things is they showed that, that the, the break-in rates went up at nights, because remember, we are all in South Africa living behind burglar bars. We've got security, we've got alarms, we've got electrical fencing, we've got palisades. I mean, we're staying in, in, in like a jail to protect yourself. Absolutely. And the moment that the power goes off, your, your, your alarm goes off, your um, electrical fencing goes off, your, your gates goes off. So that gives these people the opportunity to actually come and break in. And I'm not saying it's all black people that breaks in. We also know from attorneys side that you also get them in, in, in all, all the sphere from the people. So you get whites in everybody. But once again, this power problem we're sitting in South Africa is now creating an opportunity for the thief and, and break in and to murder. That is so sad. That is where we're ending up now. Yes, and it needs to be told uh, also from, from a South African perspective. Um, people need to know that Eskom is the only power supplier in South Africa. It is not like in America where every region has their own and more than one mostly. In South Africa, Eskom is it. So if Eskom goes down, the entire country is without power. It, it needs to be said exactly. that, that people can yeah. understand that. It is a monopoly a state-run monopoly as far as I understand it. And yeah. they have done no yeah. maintenance whatsoever. And the two power stations that were in the progress of being built in 1994 are still not finished. As That's my understanding of that situation. That is correct. And it's projected that we might have a two-week blackout in the near future for them to um, work on these power stations. Now, you know, how can, it's not only the, um, your, your safety that's a, that's a problem. You cannot work. And if you cannot work, the economy suffers. So the children cannot go to school. The, the hospitals cannot work. We cannot do our jobs. And they, they just don't regard it as serious. Then our president comes and, and blames apartheid for this problem. Stating, yeah, but there was only... The apartheid regime only gave uh, power to so many people and now there's so many people to give power to. That is not the problem. They that they, they have so many people that they have to um, cater for um, and they, they have um, taken proper measures. There was enough money, but they loot the state coffers to, to build um, their own palaces and kandla and whatever and uh -huh. steal money. And, um, and, and over and above that, um, the the power is also stolen by the squatter camps. If you just look at, at pictures that they take, where they will like have like a hundred um, lines from the from the power cables from the municipal power cables to the squatter camps. Those people don't pay for the power. And also, I believe that that area like Soweto, which could very well pay, which is legal electricity just owes an enormous bill, and they will never get that money back. Exactly. But the and that is, is the still other up. problem is no credit control, and Soweto does not have loan sharing. Wow. Wow. But if you're, so, a, if you're a white person, I know this from my own experience, if your bill is overdue, they turn your power off. 
Exactly. Within two weeks. But Soweto's lights are still on. Yes. And then they run up accounts like in thousands. I had a client, two clients actually, more than that, but I remember these two in the last six months now. Their bills were in excess of 50,000 Rand. And they don't, when they, they don't And only were their power suspended. Then they rang to me to help them. You know, then they pay back like 500 Rand a month. Now, come and it gets on. Back on. It's not great, it's credit um, granting, you know. Wow. Because they simply cannot pay those bills then. So explain to me then. At a stage, they will. The consequences of that whole escom thing for me are severe because I believe that there's a, a diesel shortage because escom has been running on diesel. And so now, right. how does one run big businesses like a cold storage or mortuaries even? How do they then run their essential refrigeration services? And how do hospitals operate if there's no electricity and a shortage of diesel? Well, there was articles in the local newspaper in the past week of, 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 of people that died in hospitals because of the power cut. Uh, small babies that were in incubators that the uh, generators didn't kick in, and on a, on, a, on a daily basis, people actually die because of this. But we hide this; we don't talk about it. The same, we've got a lot of old people. I think it's the same in every country, but that's on on oxygen and that's with power. And when the power goes, the oxygen machines doesn't work at home. So you've got a battery life for, say, an hour that this thing can run on a battery, but we've got load shedding for up to four to six hours at a stage. So, so it, is, it is enormous, like you say, on, 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 on the economy, what we are losing, not only on, on products that's getting rotten because of the refrigerators not working, but also on manpower and, and on, on, on the deaths that's, that's going about. You know, it's, it's, it's actually scary if you think about it. And we all just tend to accept this in South Africa, and that is so sad. And that's why I think people like Ricky, although I'm not part of the group, but they have decided to stand up and say enough is enough. Well, I just want to tell you on ESCOM as well, for the new year, I just saw an article that was written by uh, the National Union of Mine Workers and by a black person that say that NUM, as they call themselves, strongly condemns ESCOM executives for awarding themselves fat incentive bonuses of 25%. That's what the executives got as bonuses for the year. The middle managers got 16% and the lowest paid employees received only 10% of the incentive bonuses. So although ESCOM has not got money even to keep the electricity going, they still award everybody incentive bonuses and they award themselves on the executive team a bonus of 25% of the yearly salaries. Now these guys are getting quite big money. So, you know, that is, that's the sad part of this. Oh my because like Ricky said, you've got people running businesses that cannot do it, they don't understand the concept, they don't know that if they take the bonuses, there's not going to be money for the diesel, they, they just don't understand, so they, and, and we get the black people that's condoning this it's not only coming from whites, the blacks are also, a lot of them are also condemning these things, because unfortunately, although we've got affirmative action, the poorest of the poor is still poor, it's only the the fat cats and the guys that are linked 
that's making the money. And if you go on the internet and people want to go and read, they will say there's lots of articles saying why affirmative action is not working in South Africa. It has never worked. And I mean, how? You can never justify um, the fact that the minority is oppressed by a majority. I mean, what does it say for the, for the attitude of that majority? It is clear that they are afraid of the whites. They are afraid that the apartheid will come back. Um, but it's only, I think, the ignorant or the, the less um, um, educated people that, that have that um, fear. Yes. Yeah, a mind, mind shift, you know, because um, they should realize, or many, most of them realize, it's not the whites that they should fear. It's these um, barbaric mobs that they should fear. Yes. Because um, most of them also suffer of crime. And, um, you know, most of them said it was better before 1994. And um, you asked me about... The municipality charges, there was a case, and that's what I wanted to say, in 1998, that also landed up in the constitutional uh, case where a Mr. Walker that was staying in the old Pretoria, you know, that is an overwhelming white district, took the city council to the constitutional court because what happened is we all had different municipalities, but the moment that the New South Africa came about, they amalgamated these councils. So what they would do is you've got Pretoria that was a old white area that was quite strong and they would put the mama lordies and those areas with. And then this guy actually said he's got a problem because his electricity is cut. He pays for it. It gets cut, but the sun doesn't help happen in the townships. And he took this to the constitutional court and the constitutional court actually made the ruling that this discrimination is fair. It's fair. That's, it. That's fair, yeah. It was a court case that was heard in 1998 already where it says that this guy cannot complain because he is part of the previous advantage population. Yes, that, that was ruled in 98 already. And we're still sitting with exactly the same situation. I'm a conveyancer. That means I do a lot of transfer of properties as well. Yes. And uh, um, <clears throat> I, I help a lot of, of, of the poor people in Krugersdorp. Uh, my offices are situated there. They go to legal aid. We're in the same building. Legal aid don't do conveyancing, so they come to me. You would get electricity and water and rates accounts that's run up to 80,000 rand, where the property is worth a hundred thousand. The electricity was never cut. There was never any legal action taken against them. But then you get a white person that hasn't paid a thousand rand on his bill, and it will get cut. So we're still, unfortunately, sitting with the same situation. Like you said, only the the, the white areas, the, the traditional white areas. Bills get cut. Now, if you were a black person staying in those areas, of course, they will also cut yours. We must not mistake that. That will happen. But it will not happen in the in the previously known white, like, uh, black areas like Soweto and those. Soweto are uh, uh, owing millions of rents to the councils. And at this stage, they, they put the old white rich areas like Santon and those, and they amalgamate all these municipalities so that the whites can actually subsidize these rates and taxes and the, and the water and electricity consumption. Wow. You know, Karen, we do not, it's not only um, this discrimination does not only prejudice um, adults, um, it also prejudices children. There's a new bill, a proposed bill 
in South Africa, which was open for uh, public comment until December the 2nd last year. Um, it concerns um, the granting of, of um, assistance to child, uh, child care um, homes and shelters. Now, if you, um, you can earn BEE points if you are a BEE compliant company or organization. Now, for instance, if you look after children, if you have a child shelter or um, child um, care fraternity, um, previously um, it doesn't it didn't matter how many blacks or whites or whatever uh, race you had you cared for, but this new proposed bill wants to um, change the whole law and say that if you do not if you give assistance to any other race but black, then you will not get a government grant. And that doesn't mean only whites. So if your organization benefit any Indian, colored, or even a Mozambican child, um, you will not be able to claim points on the BEE scorecard, and then you will not be able to get grants from the government. Now, that is just shocking. Shocking. I mean, to, 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 to make a child suffer. Because so these, these children who are already displaced from their homes and, uh, yes. in other words, orphanages, etc., those, those yes. poor kids who have very little future in any case now yes. cannot get any money for food, clothing, schooling, anything. Yeah. You know, the thing is, you, uh, it, is it is stated that, that you may not discriminate on race. Now, if you fill in a form, say, for instance, an application form, um, there's no duty on you to, to indicate what race you are. Um, now, if these uh, foster care or children's homes um, get an application from, from someone to, to, to um, admit a child, they don't ask what the, the, the color of this child is. They just take the child in. Because it's now, a child and they need help. Oh, yes. Now, the moment they're taking a white child, well, obvious on the name, they would be able to determine it's a white child, but it can also be a colored child. Yes, yes. And not necessarily have white names, because that's that the, the um, um, tradition, tradition years ago to name their child after whomever they worked for. Or the doctor, for instance. Or the doctor, yes. yes, yes. So, you know, it's, it's just no merit in this, there's no method in this madness, really. I cannot call it anything else than madness. And, and we can't say that these poor children that, that is small now has benefited at all from the old regime. No. No. You can't, you can't say that because in 1994 we became a democracy, uh, democracy and um, I mean that is now 22 years almost. Um, so anybody that is 22 years and younger has not grown, oh, yeah, I mean has not grown up in the old South Africa like they speak about it in South Africa. They have not been supposed to be discriminated against and especially these little ones that is like two or three or even five or ten years old they have never ever whatsoever benefit from apartheid you can't say that so when are we going to stop with these laws 
and and just a stupid thing. It was the other day in the news. Even with our our national sports, there's quotas, and they said that you won't be able to play for the Springboks rugby. Now, rugby in South Africa is like football to the Americans or baseball. You know that is the sport in South Africa. And even there, we've got the young guys coming up that are not entitled to play for the Springboks because of the fact that they are white. There must be people, although they're not the best rugby player, they will get a place. In the, in, the, in, the, in the team because of their colour. And, and that's not fair. And that's why we've got a lot of our sports people going out of South Africa. So it is, not, it is all over that these, that these legislations and regulations are implemented more and more. Even the BEE, um, from the 1st of April now, this year, there would be new school guards where they are even making the black empowerment um, thing more drastical, where, it, where there must be more and more and more blacks to be appointed. So it is not that we are saying we've implemented affirmative action for a certain period. Now the children have grown up in the new South Africa, they've gone through the schooling, they've got the opportunities to go to a traditional old white school, they can go to a traditional university, they get the bursaries, because if you're told white, you won't get a bursary, but I'm just saying they are handing out thousands, millions of rands to bursaries to these black people. So we've got those guys, but we are still discriminating. So is it ever going to stop? That is the question. Well, is I'm my daughter of idea is ever going to have a fair opportunity in Africa or am I going to send her as well to stay with family members in another country where she can at least have a job one day? Well, there again comes that is another country going to accept you? Are you going to be able to send her to another country? Because unless the UN or Amnesty International say that things in South Africa are really, really discriminatory against whites and declare you refugees, you are not going to be freely accepted anywhere. And I read the Amnesty International report on South Africa that came out this week, and there is nothing about farm murders or discriminatory laws against whites. There's a lot about xenophobic attacks, but nothing at all about white people. So until those people take notice, where are you going to send your kids to? Exactly. You know, Corinne, I spoke to a senior counsel in this week um, just to get an opinion um, on our prospect of taking on the um, discriminatory laws yes, and probably self-determination for yes. whites. Yes. And he was, he was very, very um, clear in his opinion that um, there's no way that we would be able to take on the Constitution um, the Renata Barnard case he stated is a, 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 a good example of how the Constitution will be interpreted. And the moment we try to do something on behalf of whites only, we will not get anywhere. Now, what, what does it say to you? That we just have to accept what's going on here. I'm sorry, I'm not going to accept it. Um, you know, 25 years ago, maybe 28 years ago, the ANC didn't believe they were going to get South Africa on a, on a, on a silver platter. Um, they got it. 
they didn't believe that they were going to get all these this freedom and this country and everything that was built up by the whites, but they got it. So I believe we just have to stand up and we will just have to tackle this problem. We cannot do it on our own. Um, we need we need um, assistance from from um, Europe and 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 uh, America, and um, and then obviously we have to believe in God and and believe that He will save us and will give us justice in South Africa. We're not asking for um, apartheid. We're not asking um, for for uh, intrusion of other people's rights. All we want is equal opportunities and equal rights. You know, it's. Uh, I will say I don't have a problem if a black person is employed, even though he's unqualified or not properly educated. Um, in a post like, for instance, um, a manager in an office where there's no um, possibility of a life or a danger to any person um, if that person does not do his job properly. But now I've already mentioned doctors, unqualified or inexperienced doctors that's been appointed from Cuba and all over. Um, and then you also get some black doctors. You get excellent black doctors, I have to say that. Um, but they're in the minority. And then, um, you know, the SAA also started a um, um, affirmative action yes. practice yes. where they refuse to get, take in white cadets, mm -hmm. even though the white cadets were much better um, uh, suitable. suitable for the for the for the position than the blacks, but they blankly, blankly refused just based on the color of the skin. Now there I can come in. My sister's son is a pilot. He had to do his PL privately. He had to do his commercial license privately, and he's still doing now on bigger airplanes privately. It's cost them, and I mean people must understand that in South Africa, I think the average, even for the middle class, of what they people are earning is maybe 20,000, 30,000 rand a month, you know, if you're lucky, if it's that high. Now, it has cost almost half a million rand so far, and he still cannot get a job in South Africa as a commercial pilot at a, any air, airline because of the discriminating acts. So, I feel it, and I see it every day, on me personally about what is going on around us because of affirmative action. There was about a year ago, there was big boycotts against um, <clears throat> Woolworths in South Africa where they made a decision not to employ any white people. And a lot of the white people then decided to boycott that because Woolies in South Africa is quite an expensive shop. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's not one of the cheapest, it's not the checkers or a spa that we've got. So you ended up with a lot of South Africans standing together and boycotting, and it seems to me that in a way it worked because nowadays when you walk into a Woolworths, you might see one white employee out of the 20, where in the past you would see 21 out of 21. Yes. So, yeah, it is, it is, it is not only from a legal point of view, but, but, but people things that we see on a daily basis where this discriminating is just going on and on and on. I mean, if we... Talk about law, Ricky is somebody that's got much more experience in criminal matters than me. She's been a magistrate and everything. But I think it's important that she also enlightens to you parole in South Africa. And, and, and the fact that we've got somebody like Shabir Sheikh that was uh, prison in Zuma's right hand. And, and um, as I said, I think Ricky will be better there to tell you. But I think it's important.
reported that she tells you that Shabishek got parole. Yes, Karen, I don't know. Shabishek was uh, um, President Jacob Zuma's financial advisor, and he was um, convicted for corruption and um, fraud. Um, and he was given a sentence of, I think, 20 years or whatever the situation is. He was released on medical parole after just over two years that he served his sentence. When he was released on medical parole, everybody, well, with, with, with some form of um, decorum, was up in arms about his release on medical parole because it was clear that he was not sick. Yes. The reason for his medical parole was he said that he suffered from uncontrolled um, high blood pressure. Uh -huh. Now, no. after his release on parole, he played. Uh, he was he was um, uh, photographed where he played golf, and he was uh, walking around in the malls, and he was having a ball of a time. And um, now, a week last ago, week. last week. He applied to have his medical parole um, converted to ordinary parole. Now, I mean, if you've been released on medical parole because of, of a medical, a very serious medical condition, and you're now not um, um, ill, um, then surely you must go back to prison and, and serve the rest of your sentence because then you're not, uh, you don't have a problem. And then... Uh, the, uh, to, 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 um, to, to show the, the travesty of justice on this parole stories, we have a, um, another guy, it's a white guy, um, Clive Darby-Lewis. Darby he was involved in the killing of Chris Hahn. He was an ANC um, uh, or SACP um, member. Um, now, Mr. Darby Lewis did not even pull the trigger. He apparently only gave the weapon to another person, um, Janus Wallace, who killed um, Chris Harney. Now, Clive Darby Lewis was sentenced to life imprisonment, and it's been, um, it's common knowledge that he is serious, he has cancer. And he's got a lot of other um, um, medical conditions which really um, um, uh, gives him the, the right to be released on medical parole. I think he's made three applications already and everything has been turned down. Purely because uh, Chris Harney's wife, Limpo Harney, um, does not approve of his release on medical parole. Now, I haven't known of any other... Um, victims, family, um, who had any um, say in the release on parole of any prisoner. Um, say for now lately, um, one other prisoner where the, where the family member said that's okay, um, he can be released on, that, on, 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 on parole. But other than that, the, the, the family are never consulted. But even if they are consulted, they cannot keep a person at ransom because they feel best. And especially when it's on medical parole. Claude Darby Lewis is really, um, you know, at the end of his life. He's 79 years old, just yeah. to give you an idea. <laughs> he's 79 years old. And he is, he's, he is just 
honestly, I feel the majority of South Africans feel that the reason why he's not getting the bail is because of his skin color. Because there's other political um, prisoners that has been released, even on, on normal parole. This guy is really sick. Um, I mean, we had um, the previous commissioner of police in South Africa, Selebe, who was also released on medical parole, but he, he passed away this year. So obviously the idea, if you look at the acts of medical parole, it's really for people who has come to the stage in their life where there is no ways that this can be turned around and they are critically ill. Now, this guy's got cancer. He's white. He will never get bail because of the color of his of parole, because of the color of his skin. And and, and then you, you look at, 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 at Zuma's sidekick, who was so lucky to get medical parole and who actually is not suffering of any illness. I mean, I also have high blood pressure. I know many people who suffer from high blood pressure. They still go about doing their daily jobs. They still partake in sports. You're not ill if you have high blood pressure. But did Zuma himself not say that corruption is a Western paradigm and therefore he cannot be accused of it? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yes, we spoke about it the other day. The, the traditional laws of South Africa, all the black people, for instance, if you impregnated a, a virgin girl and you're not married to her, you will take five cattle or the equivalent in money to the father, say you are sorry and that's the end of it. So you pay damages. If you want to marry a, 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 a black lady, you have to pay a bola, like we say. So you would, the father would fix a prize. It was in the old days. It was um, <coughs> based on cattle. Nowadays, the more traditional Western things that's coming in, it will be rams. But the father would put a price. So it is. It is a culture of the black people to pay for things. So they don't regard corruption or paying bribes as something wrong, because in their culture. They can pay and your sins would go away. Or you will, if you want to marry somebody, you pay for that. So at the end of the day, your, your, your daughter is a commodity. And, 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 and they can't see what is wrong with the situation that you cannot pay somebody in a department to get a tender. Or you cannot take money from the government because the government has wrong. In a country supposedly ruled by law, how, how do you have the two things side by side? Because the law of the land states one thing, but their culture states another. So which wins? And the problem is the king is never wrong, you see. Yeah, absolutely. So the followers, and of course the king is always right and the king can do whatever he wants. I mean, we also always have the law that you can't marry two wives. We've got our president who's got five wives. So, yeah, we had to we had to move forward. But once again, it's very difficult because there's different laws for different people. I can't see a Christian white person marrying two wives not getting charged by law. But if you are black and it's part of your culture, you can have five, ten wives. That's fine. And that, again, is to me discriminating. Absolutely. Because they say, okay, we, we, we marry in terms of the common law. But still, I mean, that was always uh, part of our law. And it's still in, in our law books that you, you cannot be married to two persons, either be women, men, whatever, at the same time. But although 
your president's doing this and, and that's that's fine because it's part of the Zulu culture. So it, it is very difficult nowadays to practice law in South Africa. You will get somebody that um, will, for instance, we spoke about it the other day, um, on the law of succession, you know, when somebody passes on and you have to divide his estate. Yes. There's different laws applying to certain black peoples than to the white people. In their culture, for instance, the first wife will get this, the second wife will get that. In terms of our laws, as it's on the books, it will say if you don't leave a will and you leave a wife and three children, the wife will get 125% or a children's portion, whatever is the greatest, the rest will be divided. If, you know, there's certain laws that prescribe yes. how this will happen. Yes. Now, I get it on a daily basis. People coming to me saying, my father passed away. I'm the oldest son. I'm a spouse. But there's no will. Now what now? And they can't understand if you say to them, unfortunately, this is now how it works. And it seems as if these things get condoned by the master's office and everything. And that also leaves open a lot of corruption and unfairness going around. But there's not much we can do. Like you say, we are supposed to be a, a country, a, a republic with laws. But it's not always so easy to implement that. And we actually, when you become a lawyer, there's a, there's a subject that you have to study that we call um, indigenous law, where you have to, to, to study these different um, traditions and different laws of how it's actually applied. So we still sit with that situation in South Africa as well, where there is, it's not supposed to be, but there is different laws for different people. Oh, my goodness. You know, Karen, there's something that's really, that I really, I, I actually want to laugh, wanted to laugh when I saw it. It's an article where our previous president, um, um, the clerk, um, apparently at a um, meeting, um, at a uh, he made a speech to mark the 20 years of democracy in Cape Town and he said uh, the, the South African government um, is discriminating and he took a swipe at the ruling African National Congress saying they discriminate against people based on race. Now, if you think um, about it, uh, that, you know, he was the person who gave South Africa away yes. to yes. the current yes. government. He was part of the... Um, people who, who were responsible for drafting our constitution. Yes. Yes. Why did he not see all these loopholes or the people who assisted him? Why did they not see the loophole in the in the constitution? Because it is this same self same constitution which now allows for all this discrimination. And how can he now come say that we were never consulted about the ANC's approach? To transformation accepted. What does that help us? It's 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 uh, empty words to to the to the whites in South Africa. It's way too late to it, apologize it's for that now. This. It's way I haven't too late. heard or seen him doing anything about these discriminatory laws. It's easy to talk. Yes, yes. But there's no action. What I would like to, you to do, we, we have about half an hour left. What I would like to do is for you to please 
a layout from, from a South African in the country's point of view, the results of these discriminatory laws and how they are leading to the entire destruction of the white race in South Africa, um, English, Afrikaans, coloreds, the whole lot of them, anybody who is not classified as black, the, 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 the total destruction of the Afrikaner heritage, history, and future, which is now being destroyed by these legalized um, race-based laws. Karen, yes. Um, the affirmative action, the, the rationale behind the affirmative action was to assist the previously disadvantaged to get to the same level as the whites. Now, unfortunately, you have to accept that Race, uh, um, different races have different backgrounds, have different cultures, and you can do whatever you want. You cannot remove a black's culture. The majority of them will still stick to their culture. And their culture is living from day to day. They are relaxed. They are laid back. They don't care about the future. They don't care about building up anything. And I'm not I'm not generalizing now. I'm talking about the cultural black. Yes. There are yes. exceptions. Yes. Um, you cannot change that. Not in our life. So what they want to achieve, they can never achieve. Not when you have 50 million blacks and 5 million whites, who is supposed now to perform that educational task. We've tried that for 20 years before 1994. We couldn't achieve anything um, that can be of real benefit. Now, the problem with the affirmative action is that the main beneficiaries of affirmative action and black economic empowerment have been the emerging black middle class and elite. Not the vast majority of the truly disadvantaged South Africans. So the, the poor are still poor. And the rich blacks just become richer. Yes. And it's a small percentage of them. And then you get the situation where you can go and watch any South African um, broadcast on our television where there's any outreach to the poor, you will see that it's a white woman that is either um, teaching black women in, in, in uh, the cultural areas or in the, in the squatter camps or in the rural areas to either um, do some or other handiwork or whatever art or, or you know, um, to, to earn some or other income. Yes. Or it will be a group of white people who provide food or who provide clothes. Um, you will almost never see a rich black person 
having an organization um, for the benefit of, of poor black people or even white people. Yes. Um, so whatever they attempted to achieve with affirmative action and black economic empowerment, I am sorry to say, they dismally failed. And there's never going to be a change. You will always have, you will always have these corrupt um, officials and politicians and they will not change. They will not um, accept that they have to give back what they've stolen from the nation and the poor also. Because you will hear also on, 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 on TV that welfare grants are stolen. Enormous amounts of money are stolen from the poorest of the poor. You will have people who will steal a, um, an aged person, the pensioners, um, ID document. They will forge with their own, own picture and then they will go and draw that pensioner's um, old age grant. You will get people who will stand in a queue with a person who is almost dying just so that that person can put his thumbprint or signature on the document to collect the money and then they will steal that money. That is the culture. The criminal factor is so high that you can never redress any um, um, of the past problems. The only way that this can be resolved is with a very strict um, application of the law, which unfortunately we do not have at this stage, because the police, or most of the police officers, are just as corrupt. They are also, um, many of them are quarter employment uh, employees, and um, you cannot even um, rely on the police for any assistance. That is why in our neighborhoods we have neighborhood watch um, so that the people can protect themselves. They have to pay for security companies to secure their um, um, security at their homes and businesses. And if you need assistance from the police, it will take hours for them to come. Some, sometimes they don't even pitch up. And, you know, then where they arrest, for instance, a, um, a, a criminal, then you will get to court and then the docket will be missing. Or they will allow the criminal to escape. So the problems are so vast that I can say that it is really it is really difficult to understand how we as South Africans are going to um, law-abiding South Africans are going to be able to resolve this issue. If you look at the situation in our hospitals, our, our um, government hospitals, it is terrible. They steal the linen. They steal the beds. They steal everything in the hospitals. And there's just no control 
and no repercussions for those criminals. That is, that is the big problem. So really, we really do need every single um, European or American to assist us and to, and to come at, at, at our um, assistance to resolve these issues. Um, you, um, you asked for the practical thing that happens with. I can just go on the on the on the laws of BE and on the discrimination of people in the workplace. And I will I will use the legal profession as an example. At 30 April 2012, there were 2,384 practicing advocates in South Africa, of which in total. 73% were white and 27% black. Now, black here includes Indians, Asians, coloreds, whatever. So we sit in a situation where, like I said, we've got 73% white advocates. Then the attorneys at 5 May 2012, we had um, <clears throat> the whites were 65% of the attorneys were white and 34% were black and 1% was not specified obviously those people decided not to say what yeah. they were yeah. and then I will tell you the judges in South Africa get, appoints, uh, get appointed by from, from bar so from the side bar that's the attorneys or the bar council that's the advocates so you must now take in, into consideration that 66% of the attorneys are white and 70% 73% of the advocates are white but if we go to the judges that's been appointed since 1994 and at 31st May 2012, we had 237 judges in South Africa, of which only 54% were white. And 66% of those were black, of which 71.7% were male and 28.7% were female. So in my profession, for instance, my biggest dream as a young student was to become a judge in South Africa one day. Yes. But I will never become one. Because if we're sitting already in this situation where if we look at, 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 at the figures, you will never get appointed as a judge because my colour is wrong. And, and and that is the only reason. Now, if you look at it that way, out of, out of these people, can you really tell me that out of 77% of the whites, there is not even half of them qualified enough to become judges, while out of the 34% or even less at the bar, you get 66% that is qualified to become judges. You can clearly see the discriminating going around, and that is one of the problems. We are sitting with people that is not qualified in positions, and even in the law profession. So that is a practical example. Now, how are you going to enforce these laws when you have judges that has already been appointed as a judge because of the color of his skin? You know, we sit with, with, with the situation where some of these black judges um, will not give judgment after the case has been heard and he will adjourn the case um, and reserve judgment. And then it will take him a year or more to present that judgment. 
where there's been applications to the deputy judge president to um, ensure that the that the judgment is is um, granted. Now that is just totally unacceptable. I mean, if you're in a the the highest position in the law in South Africa, and you cannot give a judgment, and no one takes you to task. It's just ridiculous. You know, affirmative action is, uh, as it's implemented in South Africa, is nothing but a quota system. There can be no doubt about that. And a quota system is illegal in the workplace. But they just don't care about the law. They will bend the law. They will stretch the law. They will just ignore the law as long as they can employ a black person. Or keep the position or vacant. Or just don't fill the post if there's no, nobody else that's that's suitable for the post. You know what, I've got a, a, an interesting statistic that I just want to refer to. The South African Airways has got 957 employees Per aircraft, we have 50 aircraft, 58 aircraft. They have 957 employees. American Airlines has got 142 employees per aircraft. Delta 147. The the most is United Airlines at 162 employees per aircraft. Now, this statistic of South African Airways of 957 employees per aircraft applies to every other government department. They are overstaffed and totally underqualified or um, not um, capable of doing the job, even if they have the qualifications. Well, I looked at the figures for your parliament. I believe you have 1,300-odd uh, members of parliament to rule a country that's a little bigger than Texas. Now, in America, we have 535 yes. congressmen, 535, Yeah, a third of the number. And I also believe that your parliamentarians are paid the highest salaries in the world. Yes. And they do nothing. Have you seen all the photos of them sitting there and sleeping in Parliament? Yes, I've seen that. <laughs> Lying back benches and sleeping, not even taking a quick nap. So if you take it from the highest level down, you, you talk about judges and I talk about the Parliament. If you take that down throughout every sector of South African life, they're, they're employing at least three people to do one person's job. Yes, and then the three of them can't, can't do, do it anyway. Yes, because <laughs> who's going to do the job now? Are you going to do it? No, I'm not going to do it, and then nobody does it. And, and so then you are, the economy is ruined simply by numbers, by being overwhelmed by numbers that are instituted by the law to break the economy. It doesn't make any sense to me. That's true. 
if, if I can just read you something that our uh, deputy judge president says. He says, I was previously, while still an attorney, a pro proponent of the five, four-year undergraduate LLB degree in order to increase entry into the legal profession. Because that's the other thing what happened. We made all the university degrees easier to get these people in. He says, let me be one of those who admit openly. It has not worked and it has not produced the product we expected. I have seen the product arrive raw in our courts, especially via the independent bar route, where people simply take their LB certificates and apply for admission at advocates. There is no proper prior training other than this LB degree and the product is at least on the high courts. In most cases, the product can barely utter a few current sentences, never mind articulate the case of the client. Trying to assist the product from the bench is like pulling out teeth. One often, often one gets the impression that the poor client would have been better off on his own. We may have produced quantity, but certainly not quality. I have read the pain about the finding of a survey that many such projects have problems with basic numeracy and literacy. I have they have problems with counting, reading and reasoning. Many of us have already made the observations. I am therefore in full support of a redesigned LLB. The profession and universities have to go back to the post-grade LLB with initial non-legal courses. I hope that we do not take long before we reach that goal about which there now appears to be enough, if not overall consensus. That is what's been said by one of our judges about the product, as he called it, that comes from university. And that is what has happened in South Africa. We have lowered the standards to get these people to become lawyers. And then they become a lawyer, but like this judge said, the client would have been better off by representing himself. If that is what I can say in practice from, from an attorney's side, the conclusion. Another thing that I sit with Karen on, on, on a regular basis is uh, black people coming to me um, for assistance um, where they've been at the black attorney and they have been um, really charged exorbitant amounts of money and nothing has been done to resolve their case. And then I ask them, but how did it happen that you pay this guy so much money? And not questioning the the results. And this people is just so ignorant. They believe, you know, they trust this person and they believe everything he said is until they realize when it's almost too late to resolve their issues or to save their case, that they've been taken for a ride. Now, you know, when I see that, and it's mostly um, uneducated people, and not always, sometimes it's people with, with, with a qualification metric or whatever the situation is, but they just do not have the ability to take on these fraudsters and, and corrupt um, people and attorneys who deals with their cases. 
So it's really it's really a big problem. It's not a problem only for the ones. It's it's all over. No, no, I accept I, I accept readily that it is not a white only problem. For for me, it's the overwhelming result of the whites because yes obviously because of the numbers if there are 50 million blacks you're going to find more black murders more black uh, uneducated more black <coughs> simply by numbers but for, for me the the result on the small really really small minority whites has been horrific Twenty uh, percent of them are living in squatter camps. Twenty percent of the white population, and I'm not saying that through no fault of all of them, there are amongst white people the same as amongst the blacks. Those who are lazy, who do not have a, a drive to succeed, whatever. But I cannot believe that in twenty years, that number of people have suddenly become lazy and willing to live on handouts. Yeah, no, that's true. I, you, you know, these laws... I mean, and you, and you cannot have 50 million blacks and 5 million... Hello? Hello, yes, I can hear you. Yes, I said when you have 50 million um, blacks and 5 million whites, um, how do you justify not protecting the five million whites. It's not as if we are constantly uh, requesting protection. We do attend to our own safety. But then at least you, 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 um, if you pay taxes, you expect the government to protect your safety. That is, uh, that is part of your constitutional rights. You know, today there has been three murders on whites that we know of. Yeah, and the day is not over. And the day is not over, yes. Now, yes, there's a lot of, of murders on blacks as well, but it's blacks, black on black. They, they, they kill each other because of a, a trivial fight. Absolutely, because I have been looking... But the whites are killing their homes, in their businesses, in their cars. They're not intruding on anybody's premier absolutely and and I do not find the same kind of statistic of white on black I don't no. find that and I've looked for it I really have looked because I do not want to make this a race issue but but unfortunately the reality is that the it is a black on white thing, and a, yes. and, and not in the reverse. It, it, it there are there are cases of bad white things happening, but the, yes. you do not find white on black rape. You do not find um, white on black murder, as you're finding it the other way around in South Africa. Yeah, and and for me, today yeah. three. Three whites were murdered. That is not, it is not just a drive-by shooting. It is not just yeah. an accident. They are attacked, terrorized, and tortured for hours in their homes. 
That is not normal, yes. normal crime, whatever that is supposed to be. So the rest of the world no. is being told, the rest of the world is being told that everything is fine in the Rainbow Nation, and people like Steve are being shut up. Because if, if you shut up the few activists who have a voice and are brave enough to speak out, and there are few of them, if you can keep them quiet, then no news will come out of South Africa and the world will absolutely not know. So it's people like yourself, like Steve, like um, Sunet, th those people, if you are silenced, then th the voice to the world is gone. And then what exactly. happens? Exactly. And people don't know. They don't know what is going on in South Africa. It, it, and it is it, the, the, the sheer lack of media um, attention paid to the problem there that is the cause of it. Because I have found that once you tell people, they will tell somebody else and they will do something. They will donate, help, try. But they don't no, because of the media blackout. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, on a, on a lighter note, I saw an, um, a joke today. We, it's, a, it's a photograph of a naked man, and it says that you, must, uh, you South Africans must stop being negative. The government of this country is going to change this country into paradise. Everybody is going to leave here naked. And in the dark. No. And in the dark. So nobody will see. That is the that is the current situation. It really is. And if we don't stop this, it's going to happen. We have to stand up and do something about it. I don't know how you're going to get all the whites to stand together because if twenty percent of them are struggling for their next crust of bread. They don't have the, the time or energy or even the, the means to have a voice. So if how we, we make that happen, I'm not sure, but it does have to happen. You yeah, well, I'm busy. Yeah, I'm busy doing that, Corinne, and I am intent on, on reaching success on that. I already have 46,000 one. 100 people um, with the same idea, and and I do believe with, you know, this is not even two months um, ago that I started this group, and I do believe if we get the word out, we will bring about change, but we will need assistance. We cannot do it on our own. Absolutely, and that is what I, and I very seldom use the word I, because it's not about me, it is about South Africa, but, but that is why I have done what I do and I keep speaking out and that is why people like American White History Month and their radio show are so important because this way we reach thousands and people who did not know now know and if you know about something you have to do something about it yeah. and so yeah. for, for me uh, I'm not in the country I, I can't help on the ground there but I can help 
to make people hear your voices, hear your cries. And in that way, one day we will reach the ears of somebody who is able and willing to do something about it. And that way we can maybe do change. But the world needs to see that the South Africans themselves are doing something about it. Yes. Now, definitely, Karen, and I, I appreciate the efforts that you um, um, take. And, you know, to a certain extent, our constitution is uh, sort of protecting us, um, well, in, in, in the affirmative action or we see that it does not protect us. But, you know, there's already um, been rumours and I don't think it's rumours only, I think it is really planned, for a coalition between the EFF, the Economic Freedom Front, and the ANC. Yes. yes. Um, and they join forces. They can change the Constitution as they please, and they can do whatever they want. Now, that we must really stop. We must prevent that from happening. At all costs, Ricky, at all costs. Yes. Because if Milena is being groomed to replace Zuma. Malema has got incredible, incredible um, connections with Mugabe, etc., etc. And Malema yes. has the disaffected, unemployed black youth behind him. And they are the violent yes. ones. And that is my fear. Uh, it is my personal fear that yeah. South Africa will be handed over to Malema and his boys, and then yeah. you, are, you are done. So the world has to wake up now and help you now and prevent that happening because we could wake up one morning and find that the, black, the whites yeah. in South Africa were collateral damage and there are no more of them. Yes. It, is, it is a distinct possibility. And that is what I fear the most. Yeah, yeah. You said it is. It is said that if we're not going to speak up, the world's not going to know what's what's going on in South Africa. We have to use our voice. You know, they say white on black crime is hate crimes, but black on white crimes is hash crimes. Yes. and that is true. Yes, we are. To speak about it, then it's uh, then it's right. Then we racist. We just have to accept all this crime, the murders on the whites, and the and the assaults, and 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 theft. And it's escalating. It is escalating. It, the the first two months of this year have been horrific. the The numbers are increasing exponentially, and something has to be done. But the whites in South Africa yes. have to band together and raise their voices, because the world is not going to hear unless they do that. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely, Karen, and I really hope that we will be able to ensure some change in South Africa. So if you ladies would like to have a last word, a roundup, a, 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 a punt for your cause or whatever, I, I would be very grateful because we have to close in a few few minutes. Karen, yes. All I can say is, um, and it's also evident on my page, I do not 
um, believe in intrusion on other people's rights. Uh, all I require and I want for South Africans is justice for all. Nothing more, nothing less. Absolutely. I agree. I don't want to get into politics at all. For me, as I've said previously, I just want the same opportunities for both my children. Really, that's all I'm asking for. And for all the people in South Africa, and that we don't have reverse discrimination or discrimination in any way. That is what I'm asking for. And that's not a lot to ask, is it? It's not a lot no. to ask, ladies. It really isn't. It's actually nothing. <laughs> You know, it, it, it's a simple thing. It, it, it should be such a simple thing. Well, I would like to thank you very much for your time. And uh, maybe at some later stage, I would like to have you on again to maybe give some good news, some better news than we've been able to give today because things are looking bleak. And I'm sorry to have to do these awful shows that I do every week. I really am sorry. I would like to come with some really outstanding good news from South Africa. It would be such a change. Thank you very much, ladies, and I hope to have you on the show again soon. Thank you, Corin. We loved it, and we really appreciate your effort, and I also will make an effort to note anything that's positive um, as a result of what we are now trying to do. Thank you so much. Thank you.